episode 91 of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Today we have Bobby Long, VP of Sales at Drone. Welcome to the show, Bobby. Thank you for having me. So before we get into today's topic about the new age of insight selling, can you share a little bit about your background and how you ultimately ended up at Drone? Yeah, definitely. So I, uh, I've had uh, the fortune to work at some really cool companies. Right out of college, I started at a place called Paycom. And back in the day, we were doing payroll and HR sales. Now they call it human capital management. Uh, they went public a few years ago, so it was a really cool place to start. It was pretty early stage. Um, from there, I got the awesome opportunity to work at Meraki. So I started at Meraki like not too long after they took the Series C. We had about 130 employees, and we basically 10x'd revenue in the four years that I was there and ended up moving from a sales rep all the way up to a director managing a team of like 40. And then I got bit by the startup bug <laughs> and went to a Series B company, uh, High Five, which does video collaboration. Yep. So I was there for a little while, and that's kind of where I started to learn about what it takes to actually get a company off, off the ground and get a product launch. And most recently, I joined D-Drone. I got introduced. Uh, one of the co-founders of Meraki is now actually an investor in D-Drone, Hans Robertson. And so he's the one who introduced me about nine months ago, and it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride ever since. Very cool. And for the listeners who aren't familiar with you guys, can you tell us a little bit about D-Drone and the technology? Yeah, definitely. So we are basically lower airspace security. So believe it or not, uh, proliferation of drones has been pretty crazy. Um, We've seen a huge consumer market that's exploded. So there was about 2 million drones that was sold in the U.S. in December alone for basically the holidays. (laughs) Um, and there are about a million commercial drones that are being sold um, every single month worldwide um, to be used for a bunch of different things like security, delivery, uh, surveying, agriculture. The list kind of goes on and on and on. And so there are all these great uses for drones, but there's also some, some ways that you can misuse them. So there are drones flying around airports and a lot of near misses. In fact, about three a day reported by the FAA. Oh, my gosh. Um, there are drones that have done hacking. So drones that have flown on to roofs of data centers, corporations with sniffing devices and transceivers, uh, sniffing and spoofing uh, wireless networks and um, drones flying over stadiums. In fact, we're actually deployed here in New York at City Field, which is right across the street from LaGuardia. And we see one to two drones in an airspace that should have zero drones right. every single day. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a very interesting, you know, concept and we've worked with everyone from prisons to test tracks to private individuals homes corporations data centers events we did uh, the world economic forum and a couple of the presidential debates last year so it's a very new market 
um, but very interesting and we get to have a really wide range of conversations. So it's been fun. Awesome. And before we jump in, <laughs> what is one thing that no one on the podcast knows about you? Oh, wow. This is a fun one. Um, so believe it or not, I actually was in a picture that randomly showed up on a McDonald's Happy Meal toy back when I was like six years old. That's amazing. What sort of ta toy? So it was basically a little mini, um, I don't know, caricature of the Jungle Boat ride at Disneyland. And when you looked in the little, um, there's like a little view hole, there's a picture of a boat full of people. And I was actually on that boat. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> well, good. So, so excited to have you on. And let's talk a little bit about insight selling mm -hmm. and this whole concept. I think, you know, jumping right in, we often hear solution selling in software. Yep. Yep. So to start, how would you define solution selling and then how would you define insight selling? Okay. So for, for me, solution selling is kind of sales 101, where you go in, you dig in, you find a customer's needs and their pain points, and then you try to best position your solution to fit those needs and those pain points. And the idea is if you fit them in the best way, um, you know, obviously you fit within their price uh, or their budget, um, that you know, that's kind of the way to get the deal. And I think that the difference between solution selling and insight selling Insight selling kind of takes the pains and the needs um, as table stakes. And the idea is that every solution is going to be able to address those needs in one or those pain points in one way or another. And so the idea to really differentiate yourself and to add more value is to insight the customer into creating much more value out of your solution than what they'd planned. So if they had planned to spend X dollars to get Y value, the idea is if maybe you can get them to spend X dollars, but you get, you know, Y plus one or Z value Yep. Um, as a way to really differentiate yourself from, from the competitors. Much more consultative. So, and why would insight selling be important to early stage companies? So I think that, first of all, I mean, if you look at why this shift happened in the first place. I think it has to do with the fact that customers today are a lot more educated than what they were in the past. I mean, there's not one market, not one product that is sold that someone can't find great information on a website. Most marketing teams do a fantastic job of educating customers on the website. Yep. There are webinars, there are chat rooms, there's LinkedIn um, groups of, of, of like-minded professionals. So there's so much information out there. Um, that a lot of times buyers, you know, they, they, they come into the conversation very, very advanced. Um, and so I think what's important for a, a new company or an early stage company is I think it's difficult to set yourself apart. Right. And because you are already going in a dis, at a disadvantage, whether it's a new market and a new product whether they're concerned about your legitimacy as being a new company, you know, are you going to be around for a while? Um, or they're concerned about, because you're an early stage company, does your product actually perform um, up to the level of their expectations? So I think that when you bring insight to the table, then kind of more or less position yourself as a subject matter expert, you bring new things to the table that they're not thinking about at the very least establishes credibility 
which I think is really, really important for um, an early stage company. Absolutely. And you've been at companies of all different stages. Yep. So is this a method that sales reps should be using at all different stages? Or do you think there's a sweet spot where, where companies should focus on using this sort of selling? I mean, I think that at an early stage, you have to do this. Um, just for the reasons that I listed before. I mean, just to be, um, to be, t- I think, considered more seriously yep. um, or to have some more legitimacy. I think as you move to more advanced, I think as a company grows and gets bigger and bigger and more uh, later stage, I think that that means that they're either going into an established market or the market has established itself more. And therefore, there's going to be the presence of competition. And so this is really a way to set yourself apart because at the end of the day, all sales reps know that you can't just like win on price. Right. Um, and yeah, relationship selling is great. And if people like you, that helps. But at the end of the day, buyers, for the most part, are more educated. So the way to really differentiate yourself is to add more value. Yep. And you mentioned reps. And that's something I think that a lot of people listening probably have questions about. What sort of challenges do reps face when they move into this sort of selling capacity? Um, I, I think, honestly, it's it's a little bit awkward for them. Because what you're you're walking this very fine line of taking the conversation down a path that the customer doesn't want to go, you're, you're almost going, you're almost not acknowledging their, their problems and their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of reps, what I find is at the very beginning of the sales pitch, you're usually trying to frame things. You're usually trying to present information that gets the customer going down a path that is very, um, maybe outside of what they're thinking before. And you're providing them with a lot of information that a lot of times reps think um, the customer already knows. So I'll give you an example, and this, you know, probably a little bit more personal to us <laughs> at Dron. But we are a, uh, you know, a new company, a relatively new company, about three years old, uh, Series B. Yep. Um, in a definitely a new market, and our big challenge is that we are selling. We're not starting in the SMB. We're starting in the enterprise. So you know, making ourselves legitimate is, is um, you know, that that's definitely a key. Yep. And so what we, um, one of the things that we do at the very beginning of the first like introductory conversation out after asking a few, you know, questions just about the organization and what they've looked at and what their concerns are is we really try to educate them deeper about the threat. So we talk a little bit about how drones as a technology have evolved, what types of um, environments or what types of facilities would need protection and we really try to educate them on the threats i think one of the things that that reps get concerned about and i've I've seen this happen in meetings we we met with um uh uh, we'll just say a a, a very large company that um where ip is of chief importance to them got it we met with a, a global coo okay and our my rep was really nervous going into the meeting that he was going to spend the first 15 minutes of the meeting, which is when you need to capture someone's attention, telling them information that they already know. And I think that there's this tendency to go in and ask 45 minutes or an hour of worth of questions to make the customer feel like, you know, you're really trying to specialize your pitch to them and really trying to understand their organization. But I think that they expect you to know that before you even come in the door. Fair point. And so that is the most awkward 
I think part of the whole process is giving the customer information that you think they already know or you you would um, assume that they already know. Mm -hmm. But if you researched the company in the right way and you know your product and your market the right way, um, I think you can provide information that people aren't thinking about. And that's what captures their attention. Um, there's a, an, an article, a Harvard Business Review article that, I, that kind of sparked this whole idea in my head that was, it's called the, uh, I think it's like the end of solution sales or the death of solution sales or something like that. And they mention an example where there's a, an RFP that goes out and there's like three or four companies that respond to it and get asked back. And all the companies except for one go in and basically just present their RFP response. And what the, the unique person did is they kind of went in, basically said, you've already read the RFP. Let's talk about the things that you didn't ask, the things that you aren't thinking about. Okay. And that is a huge differentiator. That also can be a little bit scary for a rep <laughs> to kind of tell a customer you, maybe in an offhand way, you don't know everything or you don't necessarily know what you're talking about. Right. But you're adding so much more value. Exactly. But it, it can be awkward because it's outside of what most people, I think, have been taught or what most people think or even what's been successful for a lot of people. Absolutely. And and so is there a time and place when this shouldn't be used? Huh. That's a great question. Um, I don't think so. I think that it can always add value. Um, perhaps a place where you wouldn't want to use it is when you get into a conversation, you get you get um, stuck with somebody who's very in their ways. We do things, you know, this organization does things a certain way, um, you know, very by the, the book. They're not thinking outside of the box. Um, and that's actually one of the things that that article talks about is that you really need to find go-getters within an organization, people that want to drive change, people that want to drive value. You have to have an internal champion. It, exactly. I think even more than that, someone that, um, to give you a, another example, like I used to sell computer networking and a lot of the IT people we would sell to their, their idea of their job is basically if their things are working, that's great. And if something isn't working, everyone hates them. <laughs> um, and so what you might do is just say, look, we're going to sell you something that works. Right. Um, but if you can help them to, to have more value in the organization, it elevates them. Um, so whether that's they're looked at more favorably, whether that's an opportunity for advancement for them. Um, so you may find, especially in larger corporations where you have lots of different buyers and contacts, um, there may be certain audiences. And I think sometimes salespeople kind of have that or should have that gut feeling of right. kind of reading people as you get into the conversation. And if you get someone that, that is very close minded to change, um, maybe that isn't the right person and maybe you're, you're just trying to solve their issues. I think a lot of times that can be a lower level person um, who's kind of afraid to put themselves out there. But on, on the same note, it also could be that lower level person who wants to elevate themselves. It just kind of depends on who the visionary is. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and what sort of loyalty then does this customer have in return, assuming they do elevate or, or um, this, this works out and walk through that, that customer journey and relationship? Yeah, well, I think that it's... Um, I think if you do it the right way, and this is something that we've noticed, is that 
especially in, in, in new markets, but if you're taking this new approach, um, if they buy in, it becomes much more of um, kind of like a partnership um, where they're kind of buying into a vision or they're creating a vision and you're going out and executing it together rather than just trying to sell them. Yep. Um, and assuming that you deliver on what you're saying that you're going to do and your product delivers on what, you know, you say it's going to do, you know, I think that that, especially in this world of everyone's moving to, to more SaaS offerings, um, and it's all about, you know, customer retention and everything else. Um, I think if you establish that relationship, you elevate them, you deliver value, not only is that going to be someone that you can renew within, but what, like a lot of SaaS models, a lot of times you start into land and expand model. So yep. it gives you an opportunity to take success in one place and expand it out significantly. Interesting. And touching on the land and expand, mm -hmm. thinking of the sales team in general and that yep. whole org, when you're thinking about who to hire and how to build out the sales team, are you thinking of people that have experience doing this before? What does that process look like? That's a great question. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still kind of figuring that one out. Um, I think one of the things that I try to look for is, is creativity. Um, so people that are going to think outside of the box, um, you know, I'll ask them about like applications of our product and, you know, potential threats and, one is I want to see them get outside of the box because I think that you have to do that. I mean, that's what insight selling is, is you're getting outside of kind of that conventional thinking box, um, more or less. Um, I think technical aptitude is really, really important because if you have someone that only knows your system at a surf or what your, your offering is at a surface level, um, how can you expect them to, be able to think kind of below the surface in the way that they position your product or your idea. Cause it's actually, you're not selling a product, you're, you're selling like a vision and an, and an idea. Yep. And I don't think that, that that is an elevated level of selling above and beyond just here's a product and here's how it's going to benefit you. Got it. That makes sense. And have you had difficulty teaching reps how to do this? It sounds like you had a rep that was a little nervous, so I assume the answer is probably yes, but how do you go about doing that? Uh, yes, it can be really, really challenging. Um, especially, um, you know, sometimes you have reps that are a little less strategic than others, um, or sometimes you have the reps that are great in a sense because when they have a repeatable process, they follow it, they follow it to a T, they're very efficient and aggressive and they move really quickly. And so when you get them outside of that comfort zone, um, it can be really difficult to get them to buy in, especially that whole trying to tell the customer something that, that they don't necessarily know. Yep. And so I think, I don't know, I mean, I honestly think the best way that you can teach or lead is, is by example. So what I try to do is, especially for new reps, it's very common, um, especially at early stage companies where you don't have middle management, but even if you do have middle management, it's very common for the direct manager to be involved, not only involved, but probably lead several of the first sales conversations. So I think if you can show the effectiveness and you have, uh, not just it showing up in sales, but you have good feedback conversations afterwards and they can buy in at an early stage. 
um, it makes the process a lot easier because they're already in this mode of transition because they've transitioned from one company to the next one Got product it. from the next. Um, if it's someone that is already there, maybe you're coming in as a new manager or new leader. Um, I think it's a little bit of a harder process. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I, I try to do a couple of things. Number one, I think leading by example is still, is still, um, very helpful. Um, but the other thing that I also try to do is sometimes, um, individual contributors, especially ones that have been doing it for a while, they don't respond as well to a hierarchical leader telling them what to do. Right. But what I think they do respond to is colleagues who are successful. So whether it's someone that is open to what you're doing, whether it's a new hire, um, the, you know, helping that person to be successful while also supporting the other person who's maybe resistant to change. And then allowing that per the, your, um, your example rep, um, assuming the success, allowing them to talk to their success and what's made them successful so that it's not coming from you. It's coming from them. It's like, it's like the example, I mean, we both played sports. Um, it's like what happens when your, your parents try to coach you. Like at some point you stop listening. My dad used to tell right. me this all the time. <laughs> played basketball. I was like, man, like I told you to do this and this and that. And like, you never do it. But the second somebody else coaches you, all of a sudden you're doing yep. it, you know? Um, and so, or if, if one of your, especially if one of your teammates is doing something and it's making them successful, you're, you're more likely to, to try it or to pick it up. So I think that, you know, that's kind of the, the subconscious way to, uh, to, to, to drive change. Those are some, some really great points. I, I want to pivot to customers really quickly. Okay. So it seems like at the end of the day, you want the buyer to basically come to these conclusions on their own. Yep. What are some pointed questions that you found to be particularly useful to get there or things that you've noticed your reps doing that have, have helped with getting customers to that point? That's a good question. Um, so to me, at least in the way that I've employed this in the past has been getting an idea of what they're, what the customer's looking for out of the solution, whether it's, you know, in, in our case is, are they aligned in terms of threats? Are they aligned in terms of facilities they want to protect? Um, how are they thinking about the problem now? If it's similar, you're going to be, you're going to look really good. Right. Um, if it's not, I, I don't know if there's specific questions for me, it's, it's about having a really, really well thought out, um, narrative that you walk them down. And what I mean by that isn't necessarily a product pitch. Um, for us, I think what it comes down to is how we insight the customer about the product and the market. Because when we do that, it leads them to the logical conclusion that the way that we're tackling the problem is the right way to tackle the problem. Um, and along the way, if you can provide good information, so some of the data points that I gave to you, I mean, for us, we're talking about, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of data out there about drones. So someone knowing that there are 2 million drones sold in the U.S. in, um, in, uh, 
December or million drones up in the airspace or calling out, you know, these different markets that have exploded and reaching these logical conclusions. Well, if there's major markets, then that means that there are going to be new manufacturers. There's going to be investment. There's new manufacturers coming into the market. There's new types of drones. There's new form factors. Um, and then, you know, for each one of the points that we try to make when we talk about like the different, um, different sites that you might want to protect, we just try to come to logical conclusions like, Hey, if drones can do this, then, and you're already protecting that, then you know, this makes this site vo- type of, or it makes this site vulnerable, makes that site vulnerable. Yep. You say things that, I don't know, uh, you, you mix up, um, insightful data or like visionary, take them down a visionary path. So like when we were at high five, we talked a lot about changing the way that people collaborate versus just buying a video chat (laughs) tool for your marketing team because they're spread out across six different sites. Um, and you walk them down a path. And at that point, you know, what we used to talk about is, Hey, face to face communication is always better. I mean, you come to conclusions that unless they're just one of those buyers that, just doesn't want to agree with a salesperson. Like it's a logical conclusion. Right. And if nothing else, even if we had a customer conversation yesterday where it was the most educated customer, I think I've, I've talked to on, on our subject. Um, and even though they really knew everything, there was probably one, one or two things that we brought to the table that they weren't really thinking about. And I think that gave us a ton of credibility, but even if they know everything, um, you're probably bringing more to the table in terms of uh, understanding, uh, visionary understanding than your competitors are. And that in itself, I think, sets you, sets you apart. It allows what you talk about with the product to be more legitimate. They listen more. They're locked in more. They're going to understand your unique selling points yep. and your key features. They're going to be more locked into that because you're going to know what you're talking about. Right. Those are all really, really good points. Did, did I answer that? Before? You did. I, I you went did. off on a tangent no, and I lost, <laughs> I almost lost like what the question was. You, you answered it. And this has been really wonderful. Any final thoughts or tips for our listeners is maybe they think about insight selling or rolling it out to their team or completely changing the way that they're going about selling their product. Um, Hmm. I think, I mean, the takeaway is don't, don't be afraid to be, to be visionary, um, to add value. I would definitely recommend reading, uh, the article that it's a Harvard business review article, maybe something that you guys can link on your website or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that for me that, that article actually made a whole lot of sense and that's what I built, put a lot of my ideas off of. So, or hopefully this podcast was somewhat helpful. Well, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for downloading this Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Bowery Capital is a business software-focused venture capital firm specializing in helping our founders build initial revenue traction. For more information, please visit us online at BoweryCap.com backslash blog.